Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Well, good morning. My name is Jeff Peterson, and uh, I'm honored to be the founding lead pastor of Authentic Church, my wife and I. Uh, like Nicole was saying, we moved here a couple years ago uh, on this wild word of the Lord. And when God speaks and tells you to do something, you have a choice. You can either do it and obey, or you cannot obey. And you kind of go through uh, a desert season until you come back around to what he asked you to do in the first place. And uh, it was, it was, you know, it's been two years, but really it was 20 some odd years in the making. And uh, if you uh, miss the service, or uh, you want to see a little bit of recap? We did a, a cool. Uh, our video team did a cool recap video, just kind of uh, showing the last couple years of what God did and where we started at the beach and then moved to a park, which was actually just on the other side of the Orange County Fairgrounds from where we're at right here, Tingwinkle Park. We were there for six weeks before the police came and kindly asked us to leave, and. Uh, I didn't want to do prison ministry from the inside, so we said yes and ended up moving on. And Lord blessed us with a place at a hotel in Costa Mesa. We were there for exactly seven months to the Sunday before God opened up this house for us to move into. And we moved into here on Pentecost Sunday of 2021. And uh, it's been an awesome, wild Holy Spirit ride ever since. And you know, the vision of Authentic Church hasn't changed. And the vi our vision is that we would be a place where people would encounter God, they'd discover community, and they would fulfill the call of God on their lives. Uh, you have a call of God on your life. There's something special that God placed inside of you, and it's my joy and honor as a pastor to kind of go for uh, like gold mining and, and pulling out the gold that's inside of you and just seeing you run and flourish and do all that God's called you to do. And it's one of the greatest privileges for us as pastors is we know a number of stories in this room of what God has done and is doing. And for us to sit on the front row of that, like that's just, uh, it's humbling. And, uh, and we're grateful for you. And, and we've been going through this summer. We started a series called Jesus People. Has anybody enjoyed the, the Jesus People series? We've been going through and showing some snippets from the, the TV show, The Chosen, to kind of help further illustrate different points. And, and uh, today we're going to be wrapping up the series. Um, and uh, and this is week 10, for those of you that have been following along. Um, so week 10. And, and today I'm really going to focus on the church. And, you know, there, there's, a, there's a lot of uh, thoughts, opinions, and misconceptions when it comes to the church. What is the church? What's the church all about? Why do I need to be part of a church, right? Like, I'm an American, and I stand on freedoms, and I don't want to be part of nothing other than a gym. Like, you know, like, I don't want a membership in anything but a gym, right? And, and so sometimes we can kind of put relationships at bay Sometimes that's birthed out of maybe some hurt that we've experienced in relationships because relationships can be messy. Sometimes it's because maybe we've experienced some ugly stuff in church and from pastors and leaders that took advantage or abused or manipulated people. So we kind of hold that at bay. But rather than base our approach and our doctrine on our own experiences, I want to challenge us to take a look into the scriptures and see what God says. What does God say about his church? Because the church was his idea. The church was not man's idea. The church was his idea. And, and the beautiful thing is Jesus spent this time 
with his disciples for three and a half years and they still weren't ready. After three and a half years of walking with Jesus, the disciples still weren't ready until the Holy Spirit came. So Jesus told them this, he said, look, I'm gonna go away and I'm gonna take my place and when I do, the Father's got a gift for you. When Jesus took his place at the right hand of the Father, the Holy Spirit was released to take his place in the lives of all the believers and the church was birthed. And so um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna dive into the scriptures. We're gonna take a look at what God says about his church. Amen, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for just being here. God, I thank you for how beautiful that time of worship was and, and just sensing your presence and your smile over these people, God. And it's not about a building. It's not about a, a name on the front door. It's all about your name being lifted high. And Jesus, we're just honored and privileged to be your children and we just come before you today and we're asking you to speak holy spirit you're the only spirit that's welcome here today we just command any spirit other than the holy spirit to go any spirit of doubt any spirit of fear any anxiety we just command it to go and we just pray that faith would rise lord i pray as we jump into your word and i pray that faith in our hearts would rise that you'd speak that you'd challenge you'd you'd convict us you'd you'd mold us you'd You'd shape us and change us today in your word. We thank you, God. Thank you for speaking in these moments that we get to share together. What a gift it is to be alive and breathing right now. What a gift it is to have our health, to be in a room together, to sit next to the person we're sitting next to, God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we love you. We want to know you more. We want to grow in our knowledge of you. We want to grow in relationship with you. So just come and have your way. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, there's so many facets in my mind that make for a, a great church. Uh, you might have some thoughts too that make for a great church, but really at the core of a great church isn't necessarily the word great. I would say it's the word health. Healthy people make up a healthy church. And um, just like marriage, healthy individuals make up a healthy marriage. Last night, my wife and I, we had the privilege of going out to just a beautiful wedding. Uh, some of you know who Sophie Shambrook is. Uh, Sophie and her fiance Marco, they'd been dating for a while. They knew each other for six years. And, and Sophie's come and led worship for us many times. And they're good friends of the house. And so we got to go to their wedding. And uh, it was just a beautiful ceremony. And, and I met so many people in their family and extended family. And a lot of his family's from Mexico. And many of them flew up for the wedding. I mean, there was probably like close to 100 people that flew into town from Mexico just to be at the wedding. Some distant cousins even. And I don't know that my distant cousins would travel to California to my, if I was to get married, right? Some of these people flew up from Mexico. It was just incredible, you know, just the support and love that they have. And, and, uh, and I was listening to the dads. Both of the dads are pastors and incredible sweet men of God. And, and listening to them share as they both kind of co-officiated the wedding. And it was really the joining of two healthy families. And Fawn and I were honored to do their premarital counseling. And uh, as we sat and talked to them, and we've done lots of premarital counseling and couples counseling through the years, 
We've gone through a lot of couples counseling through the years ourselves. <laughs> hey, that's a key to a healthy marriage, by the way. If you're married, I'm telling you, a counselor can be your best friend in marriage, all right? There's a secret weapon, all right? And because uh, they can see things that you can't say. <laughs> so, and so when they tell your spouse to do something, they usually hear it better than if you tell them, right? You know, so that's Fawn's hope anyway. That's my wife's hope anyway. <laughs> and, um, but really, it's like these two healthy people getting married, and we went through their premarital counseling, it was just such a joy to see their stance on purity, that they kept themselves pure. They were both virgins up to the night of their wedding. Here they are, 30 and 26 years old. That's rare, and it's such a beautiful thing, you know? And you see the fruit of it in the lives and the relationships, and it was just an incredible time. And I was reflecting afterwards as we were driving home last night, like, you know, what we just saw, what we just experienced is really a picture of what the church is. The church is a bunch of relationships. Like, it, it's, not, it's not an organization. It's, it's an organism, right? In an organism, you know, um, things have, there's connectedness. There's, you know, there's life that goes from one area of the organism to the other, and it's this relationship. It's not an organization that's top-down run, and this is how we do, and it's, you know, all, no, it's, it's an organism. It's, it's, it's the beauty of relationships, and sometimes the difficulty of relationships, and, and, and that affects the body. And, you know, throughout the scriptures, when you read about the church, um, there's a few things we're going to get into, but the church was always referred to in the New Testament as the body of Christ. It's not referred to the body. It's referred to the body of Christ, and there's a difference, and we're going we're gonna to jump in that. But, um, you know, that gathering, the fellowship of the believers, it's what uh, the writer of Hebrews talked about in Hebrews 10.25. It says, let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. There we go. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Let us not neglect our meeting together. That I don't know about you, but... For many of us in the room, I encountered God gathering with other believers. I, 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 I was invited to an event, or some of you might have been invited to a church gathering or what have you, but there's a supernatural uh, encounter with God that happens when believers gather together because a spiritual relationship isn't in the natural. If you can reduce God to what you can think of in your three-pound fallen brain, then you limit who God is. And then is, he is limited to my understanding. And that's just not the scriptures. There's certain things you gotta be comfortable as part of faith. There's certain things that you just have to be comfortable not really knowing and believing anyway. There's certain things you're never gonna fully understand. We're not gonna fully understand and comprehend all the beautiful nuances of this incredible God that we serve. But there is an aspect where we want to grow and understand as much as we can and part of that understanding comes through the relationships within the church. And, and our prayer is hopefully our, our community here is not, it's not defined by a Sunday morning gathering, as great as this is. And I love coming to church on Sunday mornings. My family and I, you know, ever since my wife and I got married and we started having kids and we got like 100 of them. And, um, you know, ever since we, we got married, we, we just made it a point, man, we are always going to be in the house of God. On, on our Sunday morning, that we would come together with other believers. And, and we would, later on, as we would grow and get involved in groups and stuff like that, that became a source of incredible life for us. And so today, as our, uh, our connect groups are launching, I just wanna really encourage you 
take a step out if that's uncomfortable for you. Take a step past that uncomfortability and get involved in a group. There's gonna be a lot of groups. I don't know how many. There's 10, 11, 12, something like that. And find a group that you might be able to fit in. Even if you can only go like every other week, the more you can be connected, the better. And uh, Acts 2.42 is our, our key scripture that we're gonna take a look at today, Acts 2.42 through 47. And so Jesus goes, takes his place at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit's poured out. Um, all this wild stuff starts happening. People get saved, they're baptized, and then they're like, now what? Because now they're believers in Christ. They're believers in the Messiah. And to a good Jewish boy or girl, you would not be allowed back into the synagogue because you believed in this radical prophet Messiah guy. Like, I'm sorry, you're not allowed to fellowship with us. You can't be in relationship with us. And they would put them out. And so they started having this kind of ragtag group family uh, there was all these adopted sons and daughters and people that didn't know each other, but they had the Messiah in common and the church was birthed. And so this is the beautiful picture, Acts 2.42 through 47. And it says this, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and the signs that were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord, and the Lord, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Lord was adding to it daily because they were encountering God and discovering community every day. We think that's our vision for Authentic Church. No, that's actually the vision of God and the early church. We just stole it. You know, We're really good at copying what the Bible says. And I uh, feel like the more that you can copy what the Bible says and what the early church did, then you'll probably have more of the results that the early church had. That's just, that's just the thought. So I, I wanna give you just a few theological terms today as we dive into this. Um, these are looked at as the four pillars of, of Christian theology, if you will, if you're new to Christianity. These are, may be some big words to you, but the cool thing is after today, and you talk about it with your friends, like you're just gonna sound so smart. And here you are on Vanguard University, and you're gonna have theological terms, and you're just gonna be so smart, you know. So there's four pillars of Christian theology. Number one is Christology, that's the study of Jesus. Uh, number two is pneumatology. That's a study of the Holy Spirit. Pneuma is the breath of God, the Spirit of God. Eschatology is a study of the end times and the second coming of Christ, etc. And then ecclesiology is the church. And that's where we're going to camp out on today is the ecclesiology, which is the study of the church, her purpose, her function, um, and just what, what the Lord had done. And, and the church is, it's something supernatural. It's, it's irreplaceable. It's beyond our understanding. There's something that happens when we come together, when believers in Jesus gather together, the supernatural uh, power of God gets released in those gatherings. And you might have felt something or sensed something uh, in your spirit today during worship. And maybe that was new for you, but there's something inside of you that says, man, I, I feel peace like I never felt peace before. Or I've heard some people come into this environment and they're like, I felt emotional, like I was going to cry, but it was actually okay. It was like a good cry, like a Hallmark movie cry, you know? And, you know, 
and, and, and you feel a different sense of emotions. And, and not that you base your doctrine on emotions. I'm not saying that. But there is an aspect that you are an emotional being. God created you with those emotions. And, and it's part of encountering him. And that's an okay thing. But you don't base your doctrine just on your emotions. You base your doctrine on what the word of God says. But a lot of times in a moment of worship, you can sense the presence of God. Many times where I'll be praying and worshiping and there comes a moment in, as I'm praying in, 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 in my spirit and all of a sudden I'm, I'm not alone in the room anymore. You know what I mean? Like you're alone, but you're not alone. Like you sense like he's here, you know, the king is here. And I want to tell you today, the king is here and he wants to speak to you and he brought you here today for a purpose. He's called you to be connected to him and connected to his body, which is the church. So where we get the word church or, or ecclesiology, that, that word, it's actually from a word called ekklesia. Ekklesia is actually a Greek term, and it, it, it's, it's not meaning the church as we know it now. Ekklesia was a common term that was utilized uh, first in Athens, Greece. Many know that uh, democracy and that form of government was founded in Athens, and that word ekklesia came out of that. And it was when you would be called out for, uh, for a purpose. You'd be called out for service, usually attached to governmental duties. You'd be called out. Um, and and it, was, it was an honor to be called out. It wasn't like being called out for jury duty. <laughs> okay? So it, it was like, well, maybe that's an honor to you. Uh, that's something I usually try to get out of, just being honest. Uh, so but ecclesiology, so it's the study of the church. And ecclesia is the Greek. So it's the called out, the, the assembly, the congregation. And, and, um, and in the Old Testament, there was different words that, that were later translated ecclesia. So in the Old Testament, there were Hebrew words called edah and keal. And edah later on got translated when they translated the scriptures from Hebrew to Greek for the Greek-speaking Jews. They translated the Bible to a translation that the Greeks could understand that became known as the Septuagint. And then within that, those words in the Old Testament, Adah became synagogue, which we get our word synagogue from. And then Kehal, which is ecclesia, where we get our word church from. And you might be sitting here going, how does ecclesia translate to church? Church is actually from a, a German uh, word for ecclesia that sounded like church, and then we translated in English church, and I'm not going to go into all that stuff, but anyway, so, so, uh, so that's where we get that word ecclesia, and, and, and so that, those words were interchangeable. So in the Old Testament, when you read the scriptures, they would read it as ecclesia, that it, 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 would, it would be that synagogue where they come together at the synagogue. They'd be not called out of the world like, hey, you're going to be saved and called out from the world. That's, that's not actually the correct understanding of the translation. It's not about being called out and being light in, in a dark world. It's not about that. It's actually being called out and called forth for a purpose. Do you follow me? It's a different, different sense there. And so, and so in the Old Testament, you would see that. And so it was a common term. So when these Jewish believers now believed in the Messiah, well, they couldn't go to the synagogue. So when they say, hey, let's hook up, let's go to, well, we can't go to the synagogue. Well, let's, let's meet up, let's congregate, let's ecclesia. And so that's where the word came from. And so there would be that gathering of the believers. And you take a look at the, the, the biblical description of the church. There's four key areas here. There is the church referred to as the body of Christ, which is centered around relationships. The church was referred to as the temple of God, which uh, relates to the holiness of the church. 
and we're called to be holy and set apart. And then there's the church as the Israel of God, and that's in relation to the governmental foundation, the covenant aspects of our relationship with God, and, and through that covenant relationship with God that there was a, there was a government uh, that would go forth. And then the church as the instrument of the kingdom of God, its authority. And, and I know there's a lot of fours today, but fours, you know, in, in, the, in the creation week, that was when uh, matter was created, was the four, the other four gospels. There's a, there's a lot of tie-ins with the number four. But, um, and so the, the, the church, the first one there is what we're gonna hone in on, on today. And that is that the church is the body of Jesus Christ. The church is the body. And 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says this. It says, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. So what, what Paul is trying to help them understand is that coming together in that body, that's actually how the fullness of Christ gets displayed on the earth. So you with your gifts, you with your gifts, me with my gifts, we all come together in this beautiful mixture of things that God is doing on the earth and the fullness of Christ is released, right? And Jesus said, you're gonna, they're gonna know you by your love. They're gonna know that you're my disciples by your love. And as we come together and we love him and we love each other, the fullness of Christ gets released. And uh, the beautiful thing about that is in the context of the church, according to the scriptures, what Paul is saying here is that uh, nobody has uh, more value than the next. Every person to the least of these has intrinsic value. Like, I, in, 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 I want you to follow me. It's not just the person with a microphone or that can play an instrument that has intrinsic value. Like, the, the, the young man with Down syndrome that can't, go to the restroom by himself that needs somebody to care for him, he has the same amount of value as whoever might be up here doing anything. All of us carry the same level of intrinsic value because we're all part of the body of Christ. And that's a beautiful thing. There's not this hierarchy of importance and one's better than the other. It's not like an organization or like a corporation or what have you or somebody that's super uber talented or really, really smart. They're the ones that have the most value, right? No, we all have intrinsic value. Every person that's in this room has intrinsic value. This is why it's so important to understand the body of Christ is, is when, when uh, Jesus talks to uh, Paul, Acts 9-4, I think we have it on the screen. Acts 9-4, Jesus says to, to Paul, whose name back then was Saul, he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He's not, he, didn't, he didn't say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting the church? Why are you persecuting the followers? No, because an offense on a follower was an offense on him. Because we're the body of Christ. Are you getting this? So he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Like, they, they, I am, this is the, and, and so Saul has his name changed to Paul, has this incredible moment with God. And then Jesus said back in Matthew 10, 40, he says, he who receives you, they might see you, but they're actually receiving me. So when we received, like last week, we had pastors Fred and Pam here, which don't you just love them? Like, don't you just wanna like have them over at your house and just have dinner with them? They're the sweetest people and so much wisdom. When Pastor Fred, as an apostle to this house, is a spiritual father in our lives and Pastor Pam is a spiritual mom in our lives, when they released that prophetic word that they shared about covenant, which was just amazing, when we receive that word, we're actually receiving Christ. 
when we receive that word and we receive pastors Fred and Pam as the gifts that they are to this body, that you're actually receiving Christ. Matthew 25, 40, Jesus said, because whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you actually did for me because they're part of my, they're part of my body. That, that's why the, the, the unity that we have and the words that we speak and share, it's so important that we have this unity. And, uh, you know, for Fawn and I, we've only been in two churches for our whole lives. And I know that's rare. Um, and, and, and we felt like we won the lottery in both churches. Like, they were so healthy. Um, I was texting with all the pastors that, that were there this week. And, and many of them, I got relationships to go back 20, 30 years. My first pastor, him and his wife, they'd watch the video. And she texts me. She's like, I'm so proud of you guys. They remember me when I was this young 20-something single dad walking into church, a total mess, and trying to put my life back together, but I was trying to pretend like I had it all together. But you know, you can see right through that. You can see right through that guy that's got the facade. And they loved me despite all that, and they brought me in and treated me like a son. And for her, she feels like, man, that's, that's like one of my boys. That's one of my daughters now doing this. And look at all this. And they were commenting about all the pictures and the videos and the testimonies of what God has done in this short two-year span of time. And um, in the, the two years that we've had with them, I can, or the two churches we've been in um, with these pastors, I promise you, there was, there was many a times that I got my feelings hurt or I could have chosen to get offended or I got frustrated. I can't tell you how many times I was frustrated, especially when things got changed on me at the last second. Who likes change in this room? Does anybody like change? Nobody does. Maybe one of you. Okay, like, like most people, we don't like change, right? I like order. I like things where I want them to be. That's when, when I walk into a house and the kitchen is messy, like my brain, like I can't calm down. Like I'm like, ah, oh, we got to put it all away. You know, throw everything in the garbage. Like, honey, those are cast iron pans. I don't care. Let's just throw it all away. Let's start fresh. We're not eating on plates anymore. We're going to use paper plates that'll never get dirty. We'll just throw them in the trash, you know. <laughs> and, and so there was, there's, there's plenty of time, all to say, there was plenty of time in, in our walk with our pastors, but the thing is, I never viewed it as if I was working for them. I, I really viewed them and received them from God and as a gift in my life, and even in the uncomfortable stuff, and even in the stuff I disagreed with, that God was working inside of me through that, and how I handled that, how I approached them, how I grew in leadership, how I pastored, how I reached other, you, you follow me. And, and there's something that happens when we're, when we're stuck together. You know, the church in Ephesus, when Paul writes to them, uh, they, they, there is no other church. Like, that, that is the church, right? It wasn't like Orange County where we got 100 churches, so anything you think you want to believe, you can just go find a church that matches your belief. Even if it's not in the Bible, you can just go find that church, and you'll sit and meditate and do whatever you want to do. Like, you, there's, trust me, there's a church on every street corner. There's every flavor under the sun, okay? And you can find that. But we don't base our church based on the opinions of men or the desires that we personally have. We base it on the Word of God and what the Scripture says. By the way, newsflash, as a pastor of Authentic Church, um, I, I still am not necessarily working for a pastor. I work for God. And, and I love and serve this congregation, and I have a deep conviction that I don't work for anybody here. I work for him. 
The moment that I start working for you or, or anybody else, then I'm taking on the opinions of man to shape how I should live before the holy God and what he's called us to do. Not to say that you don't get input. I'm not saying that. Not to say that you don't have wise counsel. I'm all for it. Not to say that you don't have leadership that you're submitted to, because I am. Every pastor needs a pastor. But what I'm saying is that God is the one who is leading, guiding, and directing my life. And we should all live our lives as you parents, as you dads, as you run your households. You need to have that close proximity to God and get his download. You're not working for me and your family. You're working for him. And he sees it all. And there's a holy reverence that comes over you when you look at your family that way. You look at your business that way. You look at how you do ministry and life that way, that holy reverence that we have. And, and in writing about the church being the body of Jesus, Paul wrote this in Ephesians. He says in Ephesians 1.22, he says, and God placed all things under his feet, he's talking about Jesus, and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body. So the, the, the body, if you want to picture this, thinking of the church as an organism versus an organization, the, the body gains its nourishment and unity from the head, which is Jesus, right? And then, uh, and then from the body, and it's, we don't have the slide, but it's in Ephesians chapter four if you wanna go look it up. Then from the body that we grow up to the head. So we become more conform, more, we become more like Jesus Christ the longer that we walk and the more that we, we spend time with him. We start to look and act and think and talk more like, like he does. And the body is the fullness of him who fulfills every single way. And you know, our unity as a church is not based on my relationship with you. It's not, unity in the church isn't necessarily based on our relationship with each other. I wanna challenge this thought. Unity in the church, unity in the body of Christ is really based on our relationship with him. If we have a healthy, strong, reverent, holy relationship with God, we're typically gonna have healthy and strong relationships in the body. And Jesus said, I mean, he was so strict on unity. He's like, hey, in Matthew 5, he's talking about, you know, you're coming to the house of worship and they were gonna bring a gift to worship. And he says, if you got something against your brother, don't, don't give that offering. Don't give that gift. I, I would prefer you actually lay it down and then you go and you make things right. And then when it's right, when that relationship is good, then you come back and you pick up that gift for worship. Jesus is saying, I would rather have you do that. And for this house, like we value relationship over ministry. I value my relationship with the leaders and the, the serve team of this house over anything that they would do on a Sunday morning. And I'm grateful for all they do. And I was really grateful for the serve team and the buff dudes that helped set up the TVs and the sound and all that stuff today. Like, I'm grateful for that, right? But I don't value what they do above who they are. That's where people get messed up. That's where church hurt comes from. Oh, you just valued me because of what I did. You didn't really value me for who I am. You know, and, and you've seen that in the body and it, it's, there's wounded warriors. And I feel like this message might be for a few wounded warriors that are in the house today where you felt like you gave your all, you served your all, you sacrificed, you financed the kingdom in these different endeavors. And then you look and you're just like, ouch, man, this is painful. And Jesus says, I know, can you imagine my pain that I felt? And, and in those moments, those challenges, as hard as it may be, when you choose to forgive, when you choose to uh, not hold on to bitterness, when you choose to speak well, even if somebody's spoken negative about you, 
When you choose that, you actually become more like Jesus. I wish it was another way, <laughs> but typically through pain and hurt, you have opportunities to become more like him. It's that, it's that crushing that happens and you become more like him. But the beauty is that as you move on past that, your life is that, that beautiful fragrance that reflects the fragrance of heaven. It's that, man, you're healthy. Like, man, I know you've been through some stuff, but man, it's beautiful. It's like uh, tuning a piano. You know, there's a baby grand piano in the back room here. And when they tune the piano, they don't tune the piano to the other key. So they don't go, okay, let's, let's tune. Okay, this key over here is an A, and the one right here is a G. So we're going to tune the A string based on what the G was and then in its relationship to the B string and so on and so forth. No, they don't tune a piano in its relationship to the other strings. They tune the piano to the tuning fork, right? So as a body, we're tuned to the tuning fork of Jesus, right? We're tuned to what he has, right? And, and his, that's, that's the sound, that's the instrument, that's the voice, that's the leading, right, is based on Jesus. So community, so what is community? Community is, is a breakdown, it's, it's two words actually, it means common unity. And here at Authentic Church, it's one of our core values is community. Uh, it's not just a vision, it's our value. Like it's something, like when you cut us, we, we bleed this, man. This is who we are as a family of God. And, and in, in community, our axiom there is pull up a chair, and we like to say it this way, we're a community who invites anyone to our table, anyone, anyone. The doubters, uh, the, the, the people that have you know, gone through tough times, the people that have filed for bankruptcy, the people that think that they have so much money that they don't need God, the people that have been uh, married for two months or the people that have been living together or the people that have been divorced five times like the woman at the well. We invite everybody to our table, hey, come. And we believe that our church should reflect heaven through diversity by serving each other from one generation to the next. And it's such a beautiful thing. You know, it says the kindness of God leads people to repentance. When was the last time somebody repented based on your kindness that you showed? That thought convicts, convicts me. When was the last time somebody repented because of my kindness? It's really easy in our culture to just like see something, especially with social media and all the craziness going on in our world right now. It's really easy just to, you know, and launch a grenade, you know, and like, you know, just bomb somebody on Facebook or what have you. It's really easy to do that. It's really hard to be kind in times when their experience or their, their view is so different than yours. You know, Jesus says light can't have fellowship with darkness. And it was actually, a lot of people say, well, Jesus was a friend of sinners. And I would challenge that. Actually, it was the Pharisees that called him the friends of sinners. Uh, he was friendly to sinners, but Jesus, in terms of friendship, deep intimacy, a deep relationship, Jesus said light can't have fellowship with darkness. So it, he, he couldn't have that intimate relationship with them because they didn't really believe, but he extended friendship towards them, was kind and loving towards them, and in that kindness, they repented. You follow, you see the difference there. And so for us as a church body, we wanna be a place where everybody feels welcome, no matter where they're at in their spiritual journey. And I've met so many people, I've met people that have come to our church and they came for a season, and they only came because their family told them that, hey, mom, you need to come to church with us. And so mom came, and then mom ended up going all in for Jesus and getting baptized, right? And I'm referring to April Murray sitting over here who's just an incredible uh, part of our church family and uh, is beautiful, but she came, she's an example of somebody who was doubting and just kinda like questioning, but her family was all in and encouraging mom to come. 
and then suddenly she had a moment where she encountered God in this place, and she had a moment where she started to discover community in this place, and now walking and fulfilling the call of God that's on her. That's what it's all about. All right, so practical ways to building a community. So I'm all about um, uh, going deep in the scriptures, but I'm all about application. Jesus was about application. He was the beautiful example of, of the proclamation and the demonstration, all right? So here's the application that would come from what we were reading about, come through what we're doing with Connect Group Sunday. Application, I wanna give you four basic ways to build community. If somebody says, I don't have community, I don't get invited out, um, you know, whatever, I'm, I'm this, I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm ugly, what, I mean, whatever your excuse might be, I'm gonna eat some worms. The, the, the reality is, if you do some of these things, you'll find community. And I'm telling you, in the days ahead, you're gonna need community. Before you face a crisis, you need your crew. Here's how you can find your crew. This is just really good, basic stuff here. Number one is attend. Attend groups and gatherings. Get in proximity with other believers. You, you may be wondering, you may have some doubts. That's totally cool. You may be all in and on fire for God. That's great. God doesn't want you to burn alone because if you burn alone at some point, you're probably gonna burn out. He wants you in a community with believers. It's healthy. So number one, attend groups and attend gatherings. Number two, invite. Take initiative, invite people. We were just, uh, we had a friend of ours that stayed the night uh, after the, the, the ladies' function that we hosted at our, our place on Friday night. And, and she, uh, we met her when she was an intern at our church, at our Bible college that we had at our, our church up in Ventura years ago. And she literally used to come over to the house and fold laundry with Fawn and just pick her brain and talk and, you know, women's stuff. Women, you, get, you do that stuff. So they were sitting around talking. And, and through that time, um, Fawn was not calling it discipleship, she was just having time with a girl. But that ended up becoming discipleship, and now she's married and she's got five kids of her own under the age of six, five under six. Yeah, it's a busy life. So mama was really happy to be out of the house and staying at the Petersons. And so, so she comes over and she was sharing on the couch after everybody went home on Friday night, and she was just sharing about how much that my wife had impacted her through the years. And, and people ask her, like, wow, where'd you learn to parent like that? She goes, honestly, watching this woman, Fawn Peterson, she's like, I, I was just an intern and I just would sit with her and we'd talk and I'd see how she parented her kids and how she talked to her husband and how they did life together. And yeah, that's, that's where, and it, it, it's so beautiful uh, to see that. And we were talking about when you start having kids, you know, like we, we have five kids, we have two grandbabies, it's a crazy story. And, um, and so we have all these kids and everything. Well, after like kid number two, people just don't invite you out anymore. Like they're like, we love you, but we don't want to mess at our house. But we'll come to your house. <laughs> and we like that because, man, it was like hell to get out of our house to go to anything. One was crying. Somebody barfed. Somebody threw something. Somebody blew out their diaper. Like it was like, why? You went all day without blowing out your diaper. And right as we're going to the car, suddenly the poop hits the fan. Like <laughs> literally, right? And it's just like, dude, I'm out, you know? Fawn and I were going on a date one night and we're getting dressed up because we're going out for a nice meal with some friends of ours, which was rare. And so here we are getting, and my youngest son, August, decided it was a cool idea to reach up and touch the hot iron, burns his hand, and it's like, we're not going on a date tonight. Love you guys. We'll do this another night, rain check. I know we've been planning this for like a month because it takes so long to find a babysitter for all of our kids, you know. <laughs> you just have those moments. So what we started doing, we said, you know, we're just gonna be the host. 
We're just gonna invite everybody over to our house for a Saturday night supper club or whatever we did. We're gonna have everybody come to our place, you know? So I wanna encourage you, if you're not getting invitations to stuff, in, invite people into your world. Invite people, to take, take the, just put yourself out there. Hey, would you like to grab coffee? I promise you, every person in this room is a sweet, kind, loving Christian, and they're gonna say yes. So if you just put yourself out there and say, would you like to grab coffee? Chances are they're probably gonna say yes. You wanna go grab a meal? They'll probably say yes, especially if you're buying, then they're really gonna say yes, okay? <laughs> Invite. Number three, listen. Don't talk so much. Express interest in other people. One thing I can promise you of every single person that I meet, I, I already know what they're most excited to talk about. It's not cars, it's not their boat, it's not their vacation, it's not their family, it's themselves. They just wanna talk about whatever is important to them. So you just flip the, ask questions, man. Get to know people, take a sincere interest. I mean, don't go through like the, the, the form, family occupation, recreation, no, 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 some of you people know what I'm talking about. But so don't, don't go through that. I mean, just take a sincere interest in people. Like, man, what lights you up? What's God been speaking to you about lately? Tell me about your life, your story. How'd you get here? Where, you know, take a sincere interest in people and listen to them. And that builds community. And then number four is I'd encourage you, pray for community. I do pray for community. I, I pray that our community at Authentic Church is so healthy, so vibrant, so big, that this place, this, this campus can't contain us. And, and, and I, I pray that there, people feel so connected that, man, when they walk in this house, that they, they feel that sense like Jesus said, they're gonna know you by your love. Man, they just walk in, they just feel, man, I love being here. And that love that you have for Jesus as the head of the body is what unites us all in community, the common unity, and the church begins to grow. And like it said in Acts, and then they were added to the church every single day. Psalms 118.23 says this, this is my prayer, that people would come and they say, man, this is the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the Lord's doing. I mean, you, you, you could be in another area of the world and you meet a Christian and suddenly you have that unity with them and then it's like you guys are like best friends. Like, have you ever had that? I, I was up praying at the Capitol building uh, like six months ago and I'm there and there was a group, uh, I thought they were tourists and it was... Uh, it was these Korean, beautiful Korean family that was there and they had drove over from San Francisco and I said, do you want your picture taken? And we got to talking and I said, well, what do you do in San Francisco? And they said, uh, uh, we talk to people. And I'm like, okay. And they were kind of being like, kind of funny about it. And then it came out, they were pastors. <laughs> and so I asked them if they could tell me about Jesus. You know, no. Really, you're a pastor, what's that? No. I didn't mess with them. I, I fessed up. I'm like, I'm a pastor too. I'm here praying, you know. But honestly, we sat there and talked for a while and it was like we had known each other forever. Been in Israel and met other believers walking through in Israel and there's only about 60,000 of them in the entire country. And you meet another follower of Yeshua and they're like, wow, what? You could be in China. You could be on the mission field. Where, you, could, you could be at the grocery store in Santa Ana and suddenly somebody's a Christian and you feel that sense that you're connected, Right? Ever have that? It's because we have that common unity in Christ. And that, that's the beauty of the church. It's finding our tribe. It's churches built through relationship. And I just want to encourage you. You know, there's tons of scriptures that talk about being adopted into the family of God. Don't go be an orphan. You've been adopted into the family of God. I just want you to think about that. If you were an orphan with no family, 
and Fawn and I adopted you into our home, it would be ridiculous if you didn't want to sleep in the bed, eat our food, spend time with our family, and you just want to go back to living as an orphan. Like, you wouldn't do that. But people do it in the church all the time. Why? It doesn't need to be that way. It shouldn't be that way. Like, it, it should feel like family. And, and I understand sometimes family can be messy. And you may like me now, but I promise you at some point, you get close to me enough, I'm gonna do something that might hurt your feelings. Not Fawn, she's like the sweetest thing in the world. If you have a problem with Fawn, you just have problems, okay? <laughs> if you have a problem with me, so do I. <laughs> but I wanna encourage you, don't live like an orphan. Come into the family. Put a premium on gathering together. I gotta be honest, I love seeing your faces on Sunday. I love it when we get together. I love worshiping with this family, man. I love hugging this family. I, lo I love seeing people play with my kids and you know, young and old, having fun with, with my babies that are now growing up. You know, I've loved that through the years. That's been so rich to me. Uh, I, I, I've loved pulling to the side and praying with people and chatting and hanging out. I just wanna encourage you, don't live as an orphan. Put a premium on coming into the house of God. I'm, I'm kind of preaching to the choir today because you're obviously here. And I'm grateful you're here. And I miss you when you're not. And we love you. Thank you. <laughs> so the church. So the, I'm going to close with this. You know, the church is the greatest movement in the history of the world. There is nothing like the church of Jesus Christ. As we have saw in the weeks that we've just gone through as a world, world news, queens come and go. Kings come and go. Nations, there's 193 of them now, they rise and fall all the time. Governments come and go. Bands, venues come and go. Sports teams, stadiums come and go. Pop stars, culture comes and fades away. But the Church of Jesus Christ will march forever. The Church of Jesus Christ, the unity that you have in this room will continue on forever. So the church, we're called out for a purpose to go forth. So God is calling us out and he's calling us forth. And I just wanna end where we began today in Acts chapter two. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And so we're actually gonna have communion now. I'm gonna invite the worship team back up front. We're gonna have a time of communion today. And I'm gonna have the prayer team join me up front as we uh, prepare for communion. And I just wanna encourage you, you know, don't, don't just take communion like, okay, it's communion Sunday. You know the early church, when they took communion? Communion was the, it was like, it was the height of their gathering. When they would take communion together, it's like everything came, that was, that was the climax of their gathering. That man, we're gonna, we're gonna talk and we're gonna fellowship and we're gonna hang out and we're gonna pray together. But then they would have a moment where they would take communion and they'd reflect on what Jesus done for them. And in, this is in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty five, but it's Paul quoting Jesus. And he said, as often as you do this, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. I want you to do this in remembrance of what I did. 
And thank God that you're not judged based on what you've done or haven't done. You're not judged on unfinished dreams or things God told you to pick up that you never ran with. You're not, you're not judged on all that stuff. Your, 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 your judgment is taken care of because of what Jesus paid. He paid a price for you. You're gonna have to give an account of what you, you did, but you're not judged on it. It's different. And so this morning as you come, reflect on that. Lord, I'm doing this in remembrance. I remember when you saved me. God, I remember being at that gathering and <laughs> I remember going over to the side and the stage and praying and you came and touched my life. I remember when I came to the altar, my hands were like shaking and I couldn't describe what was going on and I, I just felt this tug on my heart. I remember, I, I remember when you were with me when, when I lost that family member and I felt so much hurt and pain. I remember when, when you were there and you comforted me when that relationship got just blown to pieces. I remember when you were there and I remember when you comforted me and helped me through that situation where I didn't have any money and any funds, but God, you, you provided a way. I don't even know how you provided a way. I slept in my car some nights, but Lord, you were providing for me even then, and I didn't even know you. God, thank you. And Jesus, I thank you that I can come before you now as your son, your daughter, and, and I'm remembering what you did for me. So we're gonna open up communion. We're gonna have a time of prayer and have a time of worship together today. I just wanna encourage you, just do business with God, have a moment with Him. If you need to get right with God, there's some things in your life you're like, man, I would love to, but I kinda of feel guilty about this area. I feel shameful of this area. Can I just tell you, God doesn't want you to live and walk in shame. The devil does. God doesn't want you to. He wants that to be set free. And if there's anything in your life you feel like is a barrier between you and God, you need to repent of it. I'm, I'm, I love you enough to tell you, you just need to stop doing that thing and you need to confess your sin to Almighty God, the only one that can forgive you. And you just say, Jesus, will you forgive me? I know I've done it a hundred times. I know I've asked you for your forgiveness a hundred times. I'm coming to the table again today and I'm asking, I'm remembering, I'm doing this in remembrance of you. Will you forgive me again? And the overwhelming answer from heaven is yes. I forgive you, I love you. And then there's freedom. There's that freedom. There's that no guilt, no shame, just freedom. That's the power of the cross. So we're gonna go ahead and stand to our feet now and at your own pace, you can just come to the front. We have communion trays up here. There's the juice on one side and the, the bread on the other. And you can stand up front and take communion if you'd like. You can go back to your seat, take communion, whatever you're comfortable with. But if you need prayer for anything, just step over to the side. We would be so honored to pray with you this morning. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.